Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now. Lord God, for a liberty in this house, a liberty in each and every one's lives, Lord, like they've never known before, a freedom to worship you, a freedom to grow in you, a freedom to experience the supernatural manifest of your glory in heaven here on earth. Lord God, I just pray for the most amazing week for their lives, Lord God, for their family, Lord God. For I just pray that, the, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that as we come to study your word and as we come to worship you, Lord God, that you are here with us. Lord, you are doing a work in us and through us. And Lord God, you're preparing to propel us into this week, Lord God, with a trajectory of victory and a trajectory of winning and a trajectory of glory. Lord God, we are your instruments of righteousness. We are planning of an oak of righteousness, a planning of you for your display of splendor, Lord. So here we are, God. We thank you. We bless you. We praise you. And we ascribe glory and honor to you, for you are truly worthy. And everyone said, amen. amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. So good to see the second service here. This is the day the Lord has made. Come on, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice and be glad in Him. I just feel vibrancy inside. Feel the Spirit of the Lord saying, this is an amazing week we're preparing for. Today's the first day of this week, and the first fruit belongs to the Lord. God said, if you honor me with the first fruit, He said, I will make it a point to bless and sanctify the rest. You're giving him the first fruit of your week. You're here on the first day, the first uh, uh, the morning time to come and worship him and bless him. You can't help but expect that the rest of your week's going to have the hand of God on it. The rest of your week's going to be blessed. The rest of your week, you're going to see divine favor. Go ahead and claim it in Jesus' name. It's yours. It's yours. God is not a man that he should lie. What he's promised in his word, he will do. Amen. All we have to do is expect. All we have to do is anticipate. Believe Him at His Word and walk into it. Because without faith, uh, everything, everything uh, without faith, we can't uh, please the Lord. And without works, faith is dead. So we got to walk in it. So we just can't sit back and say, God, if you really want that to happen, make it happen. we got to rise up in faith and say, I'm going to walk into this week. This is going to be the best week of my life. This is going to be an amazing week. I need some miracles. This is the week miracles are going to manifest. I need to see the hand of God in my life working in some circumstances and situations. I'm going to see hand of God working in my life this week. Amen? Amen. That's why we worship the Lord. That's why we honor Him because He is such a good God. He's a good, good God. Hallelujah. All good and perfect gifts come from the Father above. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Well, this year we've been looking at this series on, it's an open heaven. 2017, God said, I want you to be strategic in what you do. I want you to understand your positioning, and I want you to advance. I want you to advance. This is a year of open heavens. Under these open heavens, there's access to everything that God has. He wants us to identify, and then He wants us to engage, and then move in those. And in this today, we're going to be looking at accessing uh, the authority that we have, uh, exercising heaven's authority here on earth. Now, I, don't, I just want to ask you a question. What do you see on the screen? A review mirror. Good. Somebody gets an A+. You're going to pass... And graduate the course. Yes. Now what do you see? Okay. Now when you see that in your rearview mirror, 
Do you say, oh, that's the, that's the lights that tell me I'm to speed up and go to Waffle House? That's A. B, oh, I can't believe this city car still has its Christmas lights on in February. And you speed up and go about your business. That's B. Or C, there is an authority behind me that is trying to get my attention and I might better give them my attention or they're going to call on greater authority and I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. So would it be A, B, or C? Waffle House, Christmas lights, or C? You better say C or we're going to come visit you in jail. <laughs> Prison ministries, for sure, for sure. How many in you, in here, have since you've gotten your license at 15, 16, whenever it was, up till now, in all these years, you at least one time have seen this in your rearview mirror? Come on, let's, let's, confession's good for the soul. First service, it was almost 90%, no, 95%. Come on, hold your hands up again, let me see here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, put your hands down. Now, doesn't that make you feel better? Because you really felt like the scum of the earth when you were sitting on the side of the road and people riding by you and like, oh, I'm the only one this has ever happened to. Doesn't that feel good? I was, I've been here 25 years, but after 24 years being here, I was headed to a church function, which this should justify it. I was heading to a church function, and I was out on a country road uh, on Centerville Turnpike down south going to North Carolina where it's all but trees and all, and it should be 55, right? Y'all agree with me. It should be 55, but it's really 45. And, uh, and I got to see one of these, and it, it took me 24 years to see one. Thank God the authorities were very generous with me, with my record and all, and they didn't put it to my account. Thank the Lord. But nonetheless, that was not a good feeling. That was not a good feeling. And the moment I saw them in my rearview mirror, I pulled over and I put my hands up on the steering wheel and I did everything I was told to do because I knew I was in the presence of an authority, not necessarily just that person, but that person representing a whole force. And, uh, and, and I yielded to that. Amen. So you, you need to learn to submit to the authorities that are over you. But listen here. You also need to exercise the authority that's been granted you. If an officer would not exercise their authority, how many of you, let's be honest now, would drive faster than you normally do? Oh, y'all got your fake halos on. You got those halos from Dollar Tree. Come on now. You would actually, if you're running late for some appointment, you would drive faster than the speed limit. Okay, I'll help you out here. Okay. <clears throat> you know, there's something in us that says the manufacturers made this vehicle and it has 140 or 120 up on that dash. That must mean it's meant to go that fast. How many of you there, if there was no speed limit law, you would at least try to see how fast your vehicle would go at least once, okay? First service, all the men did, but I, any ladies? Oh, yeah, look at you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sister Janet, yeah, oh, oh, yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> praise, well, I don't know if I said praise the Lord on that or not, but nonetheless, <clears throat> without these authorities exercising their authority, the boundaries would not be there, and the boundaries are there for safety, not only for us, for others. There would be a higher fatalities. There would be more things that Les would have to be announcing on the news, negative news, and I know he wants to give the good news, and, uh, and that would be more tragedies that are taking place. Oh, uh, 
Chesapeake has dropped their speed limit laws and you can drive any way you want, well, you know, Channel 3 News is going to be having to give a lot of stories of accidents that were taking place because of that. Well, you know, as they exercise their authority, that helps make us safer and as a society function better. In the same way, if we exercise our authority as Christians, then you're going to function better in life as well. Because authority is only a concept until it is exercised. It is only a concept until it is exercised. And what I've found over the 30 years I've been in ministry is that there are a lot of people who love the Lord and believe that God truly loves them and they think that's the end of it. It's just a love relationship. And I'm here to tell you there's more to it than our love relationship. God has a purpose, He has a destiny, He has a plan for each and every one of us. Before we were in our mother's womb, God had a plan for us and He's ordained us to fulfill that. And one of the plans that God has for every believer is for us to represent, operate, and exercise authority that He has in heaven, but He has granted to you and me. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. He said, and I give that authority to you. And He's talking to us believers. He said, I give this authority to you, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, you and I know that God's heaven is perfect, and we don't need to be binding and loosing anything in God's heaven. We do good to keep our household together, okay? So we definitely don't want to be messing up a perfect heaven, a sinless heaven. But the Bible says that the third heaven that Paul was caught up in is where he saw God and he saw the angels and he saw the elders. And when John was caught up into a third heaven, he saw Jesus there uh, taking the, the seals off of the scroll and everything that was in that third heaven, which means there's a second heaven. And this second heaven is a mid-heaven. And the Bible talks about that heaven hosting the, you might would say, the command post or the command center of all spiritual warfare that comes against us. It's where Satan and his uh, headquarters, you might would say, is. As he's the prince of the air in these heavenly places. So, when we are to bind and loose... Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, I believe talks about the spiritual warfare that we're called to in this heavenly places of where Satan and demons work from. And that we are not to just take in life what we get. That we are, we've been raised up from the tail to the head, and God has called us to be above only and not beneath because He has given us authority. Jesus says, I give you this authority... He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth, and I give you this authority over all the power of the enemy. So he gives us authority over the power, exousia, of the enemy. So this power that we, the enemy has, we have authority over it. But if we are like an officer who has been deputized, sworn in, and we are now in covenant with that city or with that state or with that nation to protect and serve and, and do all that we're to do, if we fail to do what we have been ordained and deputized to do, then evil will triumph. 
And the same is true with us as Christians that we've been deputized, we've been anointed, we've been ordained, we've been called by God, we've been positioned. We are now sons and daughters of God, a royal priesthood who has been given authority over all the power of the enemy. And he says, by no means shall the enemy harm you because you have the authority. So what we have to do, as I said, authority is only a concept until it is exercised. So here at Christian Embassy, we want to teach you what your authority is as a believer and how to exercise it as a believer so that the enemy is not doing just anything he wants to do in your life. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. So we're not here for a feel-good experience. We're not here to get our conscience uh, uh, satisfied that we came to church and we did a good thing. We are here to be equipped. Ephesians 4 says, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have been given by Jesus to the church to equip the saints for works of service and the maturing, maturing in the faith that we might grow into and be all God has created us to be. So there's transformation taking place here right now. The Scripture says, Be not conformed to this world. That word conformed means pressed into the mold. There's pressure every one of us are facing. There's pressure you went through last week, and there's pressure that will come against you this week that is going to try and press you into the mold of this world into the low standards that the enemy has lowered the level and lowered the level and is wanting to press you into this world that you just got to take what you get. You just got to survive. This is the world. The world is bigger than you. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word transformed in the original Greek language, language is metamorphi, which we get our word metamorphosis. There's a, there's a supernatural going into a cocoon, into a, a place uh, uh, held apart from God where He will cause us to be transformed. A metamorphosis to going from crawling on our bellies as a caterpillar to flying into a whole new level as a butterfly. He wants to lift your life. He wants to take you into a beautiful place. And there's transformation. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind by the Word of God. So we're here this morning to have our minds renewed, not by Tim Lambert. If I've got a few funny stories and that's about, that's about all of me. But let me tell you what, we can be transformed by the Word of God. And as we're transformed by the Word of God, we're to live different than when we came in. We're to go to a higher place than when we came in. Hallelujah. And we're not to be pressured by the world into its mold, but we are to bring about the transforming work and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world that we live in. Hallelujah. So authority is only a concept until exercise. So we're here to learn how to exercise our authority. Ephesians 6 and 10, if you want to turn there, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 18 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and following. Uh, Finally, my brethren. So he's writing to us, believers, brethren, the church. That's us, believers. Are you a believer? Say amen. amen. So this word is to you. Finally, you who just said amen. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Now the world tells you you're weak. The world tells you you got to take what comes. The world tells you if there's bondage, you got to stay stuck to it. The world says if there's sickness, you got to stay sick. The world says if there's loss, you just got to learn to live with it. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's none of that for you. Well, let me tell you why. 
Here he tells me that we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There is strength that goes beyond the strength of this world. There is power that is greater than the power you see in this world. And he tells us that you and I, we can find that strength and we can find that power when we're in the Lord. I'm telling you, a lot of folks say, well, I just got saved so I can go to heaven. One man told me, he said, believe and I go to heaven. Don't believe, I go to hell. This was a businessman. He said, that's very easy. I'll just believe. And I said, that sounds good what you just said, but it's more to it than that. It's about a relationship. It's about service. It's about calling Jesus Christ your Lord, which means he's my Savior. And my, my Lord means he is the one I serve. I'm, what he wants is what I want. I'm here to do his will, not my will. So I declare his lordship over my life. And if he doesn't rule, if he's not Lord over all, he's not Lord at all. So I come to him and I declare his lordship over my life that I believe that Jesus has a plan for me that's better than me trying to figure it out. At best, I'm like a, a, a what is it, pinball machine where the ball bam, is hitting everywhere and lights will pop up and you're flipping it and you're trying to get it to give you as many points as possible. That's how a lot of people live life. They think it's just harem, scarem, whatever happens. Let me tell you what, God has a plan for you. And God's plan is, He never fails. You'll never find in the Scripture where God lost. He never fails. Hallelujah. He goes from victory to victory. So when we'll follow the plan of God for our life, you know you're headed towards victory. You know you're headed to being an overcomer. You know that you're going to be more than a conqueror when you follow the plan of God for your life. And the plan of God also comes with the power of God to live that plan successfully. Why? Because God knows that while you're on this earth, you're going to have an enemy. There's an enemy operating from this mid-heaven and he is trying his best to come against you and to stop you from fulfilling the plan of God in your life. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And that through that relationship with Jesus, the greatness and the power and the authority comes. So it's not just a head thing, well, if I believe, I go to heaven. If I don't believe, I, I'll go to hell. It's so much more to that. You've got to be in Christ. It's an intimacy. It's a relationship. He's your Lord and your Savior. And if, if everyone understood this, that the enemy's going to take you and drag you into hell and cause you an eternity of suffering if, if he can, but Jesus has done everything to give you victory and give you the ability to overcome here on this earth and to live in eternity and blessing with him in heaven, let me tell you what, I, I think we would run to Jesus and declare his lordship over our lives in a quicker manner. I pray you will. But he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Your strength's going to come from being in the Lord. If you're going to exercise authority, your authority comes from being in the Lord for the power of his mind. So he tells us what to do now physically and practically. We need to put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil's coming against you. You need to learn how to stand. You need to learn how to hold the ground that God has provided for us in and through his son, Jesus Christ. That word stand means to hold on to the territory, hold on to the position, hold on to the possessions that Jesus won for you and the battle that he had here on the, cro uh, on the cross. And on the cross when he said it is finished, he gave unto us a full redemption. There's forgiveness of sin. Hallelujah. There's justification. There's sanctification. Come on now. Thank God. There's healing in our body, healing in our mind, healing in our spirit, healing in our soul, healing in our relationship. He provided for us 
Authority and victory and power. He, author, uh, 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 he provided for us a, a, a severance from the bondage and the curse of poverty and, and the curse of generational curses that were passed down in broken heart. All these things the devil did to try and destroy us. Jesus conquered. He took that mountain. He took that hill on Calvary and he planted not a flag, but he planted the cross just like you would in the military. Now he tells us that we need to stand. We need to hold that which he is. We need to enjoy that ground that he gained for us. We need to live in the victory of that which he won for us. We, the devil's going to come and try and take it, but we can't let him take it. We've got to be able to stand. But in order to do so, he said, you need the armor. You've got to put it on. He said, I'm not going to put it on you. It doesn't come with just believing. You've got to put the whole armor on. And then he tells us what to do. He says, you need to do this because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. He said there's principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in these heavenly places that are coming against us. Don't put your head in the sand like you're a, an ostrich and just pretending you can't see it. Then it's not there. We were with a family yesterday down in Carolina and we were driving across a little bridge in a wooded area and, and there were some logs out in the water and there was a whole line of turtles, several logs, a whole line of turtles. So we stopped and I said, wow, look at all those turtles. And it's like they were in uh, marching order and rank, of rank. You know, the larger ones were up front, then the smaller ones all the way down to the little tiny ones. So when we stopped, all of, most of them just dove off into the water, except for a few big ones. They just sat right there and their heads in. And one of the kids said, why didn't they go in? And, uh, and I said, well, maybe they're like an ostrich. And just because they got their head in their shell and they can't see us, they think we can't see them. I don't know. I don't know. But we can't live our lives like that. We can't pretend there's not an enemy out here when God specifically says that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not to fight with your brother. It's not to fight with your mother. It's not to fight with your father. It's not to fight with that co-worker. It's not to fight with that uh, fellow student. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, he says, there is a battle going on. So he says, therefore, verse 17, uh, 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. Talking about this withstanding again when the devil's coming against you. And then he says, having done all to stand. He wants you to hold on to what Jesus has provided for you. He doesn't want the devil to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. He doesn't want the devil to steal your healing and steal your financial blessing and steal your peace and steal your joy and steal your, your, your eternity from you. He doesn't want that. He wants you to stand in what Jesus has provided for you. Even so much so, in verse 14, he repeats it again. Stand therefore stand therefore God wants you to enjoy to walk in all that Jesus has provided and he says you do that by girding your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking on the shield of faith with which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one he's telling you the enemy's throwing fiery darts at you he's shooting missiles at you but he's telling you the shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Wow. He is telling us there's a real battle going on. So we have to learn how to access heaven's authority. 
how to bring it to earth and make it manifest in our lives so that we can be the ones turning on the blue light and stopping what the devil's doing rather than us yielding to the evil power of the enemy. Come on now. Somebody say, God's given us the power. Hallelujah. God has given us the power. So here we want to learn today on how to access his authority. And this, spirit, this battle of spiritual warfare is against angels. So we're not wrestling against things we see. So we got to get away from, if I see it, then that's my enemy. we got to look beyond that. There's something behind it. There is a wickedness behind it that is trying to destroy us. And he gives us some words in the original Greek language of those verses that help us understand what we're dealing with in the unseen realm. First, he calls them principalities. It comes from a Greek word, archa, in the, in the original New Testament. And it means a person in a series or the leader or the beginner, the first place or the principality to rule, the magistrate, you could say, of the angels or demons. Uh, it, it's the origin or root of things that exist. So he's telling us that there are principalities. There's ones that are leading. There is the leader himself, Satan, who is against you. He was against God in heaven. He got a third of the angels to fall uh, with him, turn against God. They become the demons the, on this earth here, and he's leading them against us. He can't lead them against God directly. He tried that with Jesus, and he failed. So now he is trying to come against the people of God. He is trying to come against the creation of God. He's trying to do everything he can here on this earth for the short time that he has left. But let me tell you what, while he is the principality and he's leading in this to lead for your destruction, greater, I say, greater is he who is in us, the Bible says, than he who is in the world. God has told us over and over, I've given you the authority over all the power of the enemy, and he by no means shall harm you. And if a third of the angels fell with Satan, two-thirds stayed on God's side. So we got two angels for us, for every one that is against us. So you don't have to worry about every shadow and behind every bush there being a demon that you got to contend with. you got angels, hallelujah, that can help out. you got two for one for you. And you've got the very power and presence of God by His Holy Spirit living in you. So this is really and truly, this is an easy fight. It's an easy win if you will believe and act on the Word of God. The Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So if you don't know this, then the enemy will destroy you. If you don't know your source of power, you don't know your authority, you don't know who you are in Christ, then the enemy will destroy you. But here at Christian Embassy, we're going to equip you. We're going to challenge you. We're going to instruct you. We're going to, we're going to call you out to be the people of God, the sons and daughters, the royal priesthood that the Bible says that we are. Amen. So he says he's got these principalities that we're wrestling against and these powers, these powers, exousia, which is the power of choice or liberty of doing as one pleases, physical or mental power, the power of authority or influence or right or privilege, the power of rule or government, and the sign of regal authority like a crown, these powers, the susia, that are coming against us. There's these, these uh, regal authorities. It's this government. So Satan is not harem scarum. Satan is not, don't live your life harem scarum, because Satan is not harem scarum. He tells us here that the, that the Bible tells us here that he has set up a government. 
This thing has, he has a department of, of, of defense. He has, uh, he has all of this, he has his CIA. He's got all this strategies of warfare and, and all going on. Let me tell you what, he has got a strategy for your destruction. So you don't need to just live life and say, well, if God wants it, then God will do it. God says, I want it, and I've given it to you, and I told you to stand. I told you don't let the devil uh, take his government and rule everything. And we're not talking about worldly governments here. We're talking about this unseen realm of these spiritual powers that are at work. He has a strategy to destroy you. He has a strategy to destroy everything God's promised in your life. But good news is greater, greater, greater do we have. Greater. We have God's spirit we have the angels of heaven we have the word of God we have the armor of God and we can stand and live in what Jesus has won for us if we will exercise our authority and he talks about rulers of this age and and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places this you know the world forces that are at work that manage the darkness and the sphere of these heavenly places are real and the bottom line is this until we wage war in this realm, we're really not waging war at all. We're basically just marching in a parade. Until we wage war in the spiritual realm, that battle that you've been spending so much time trying to fight in the flesh, fight in the physical, let me tell you what, that's a distraction. That's a distraction. The enemy would love to keep you busied and wore down in that area and net for you to never really get to that which is behind all of that. Because the moment you knock that one down, it's going to, that, that, the spiritual uh, uh, strategies are going to come to another person, another thing, another situation, another circumstance. You know, you thought it was this corporation, then you're working for this corporation, and then it's this corporation, then you thought it was this person, and that person's going to announce this person, and then you thought it was this situation, and now that situation's going, but it's this situation, because it's what's behind it. It's what's behind it. So you're shadow boxing if you're trying to fight it in the flesh. This is a spiritual warfare. So we must understand that. You know, it breaks my heart to think that people, as I did for many, many years, I would march into church and march out of church. That's what you're supposed to do. It's what I was raised to do. I think it helped me because it gave me some uh, discipline in my life, but it really wasn't heart-changing for me. And I was just going through the parade, you might would say. Uh, I'd march in on Sunday, and, and like a Sunday parade, you know, and I did my thing, and, and I'd march into church, and then I'd march out of church. But I would never go back and take dominion over my home or over my neighborhood or over my city or over my health or over my finances. All that was open game to the enemy. The enemy could do anything he wanted with my health. He could do anything he wanted with my mind. To the place he led me to a place of suicide. Let me tell you what. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy Jesus. said that's all he wants to do. And why in the world would we ever want to surrender and let him have his way when you and I have been given the authority and the command of God to exercise that authority authority so that he doesn't have his way in our lives amen i'm telling you until you cock your spiritual guns satan is not concerned about you at all no matter how much you say you go to church or you're a christian i don't know if any of you saw this on facebook but i got a charlie's angel i married and uh, she had a nine millimeter yesterday out in the country and she's out there you know hammered back and ready to shoot and she's hitting her target, too. I'm like, well, I, devil, you better not come this way. Amen. She was, no, <laughs> no she wasn't shooting the turtles, but, uh, yeah, that might get us in trouble. 
But let me tell you what, there's just a lot of folks don't understand that, that, that just doing the Christian thing, nominal Christianity, is not living as a Christ one or one with the anointing of Christ, which that anointing breaks yokes and, and destroys yokes and lifts burdens. The anointing lifts the burdens and destroys yokes. The, the anointing undoes what the enemy did. Do you see what I'm saying? The anointing comes into where the, authority, the power of the enemy had manifested and takes authority, and the anointing says, okay, you cause blindness, now you see. You cause deafness, now you hear. You cause lameness, now you walk. You cause loss, now you're found. You cause sin, now you're free. You're, 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 you're redeemed, hallelujah. The enemy comes in and says, I bring bondage, and the anointing says, I bring liberty. The, the, the enemy says, I bring sadness, and the, the anointing says, I bring joy, unspeakable and full of glory. The enemy says, I'll bring in loss, and the anointing says, I'll bring in gain, hallelujah. So the anointing is the Christ, the Christos, and that's Jesus, the Christ. He carried the anointing, but now we, He has given us the authority to be Christians, the Christ, the anointed one, so that we would operate in that anointing. So we, we don't let the enemy just, we cock, we cock our weapon, and we say, now we're just a hair trigger, hair trigger away from the enemy, you losing it. You better back down, you better get out of here, or you're gone. Okay, and the threat is real. Because the enemy knows that he, if he can get you mad at somebody cutting you off in the parking lot or cutting you off, getting off on the interstate, you're trying to get on 264 off of 64 at business hour and you're going to lose your salvation because somebody saw the double lines and the sign says when the double lines, if you cross it, you should go to jail. And here you're ready to throw them in jail. You're ready to stop them at gunpoint because they crossed over and about took your bumper off. You're madder than the devil himself. And, and, and the devil is taking your health and taking your children and taking your wealth and taking your joy and taking your peace and you let him buy with all of that. But you're ready to kill this grandma that's trying. She, she didn't know. She didn't know. She was here before those double lines were there. And she's like, wait a minute. I drove more years without worrying about double lines. And I always did it this way. Come on now. Amen. I'm going to pick on grandma because I'm, I'm not a grandpa yet. Townsend, don't you rush. You're not married. Okay. But it gets you mad at somebody cutting you off in a parking lot or get mad at a greeter. They, they handed them a bulletin. They didn't hand me a bulletin. They just ran out. Okay, come on. It's okay. Uh, mad at the usher. They went by too fast. I didn't get my Valentine's banquet uh, form filled out and fast enough. And now I got to get up and walk back there and give it to them at the Welcome Center. I can't believe this. Ruined my day. Mad at the sound person. They didn't have me turned up high enough. Or they had me turned up too high. Or they had the whole thing too loud. Or they didn't have it loud enough. Or, you know, you're just letting the devil just distract you, you know. You get mad at the pastor because the pastor preaches like he's preaching right now. He's not just fluffing and, 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 and puff, uh, uh, what do you call it? Fluffing my pillow you know itching ears and feeding me he's talking real stuff real battle this makes me uncomfortable we need to be uncomfortable come on now and you mad about somebody Facebook, posting something on Facebook you don't even know them you shouldn't be friends with them come on now you ain't never even met them in person but you all worked up about what they said about somebody that you don't even know they're talking about somebody you don't know about something you don't understand and there's somebody you've never met why in the world are we shadow boxing and just being so tricked by the devil the devil gets to do anything he wants come on now so we got to learn how to fight in this war and our fight, we fight this war by authority that's been, that's been garrisoned or fortified by Christ himself.
That means that, that if you don't know your identity in Christ, then you've lost before you ever got started. Come on now. See, the power it takes to wage successfully in this war is not organic to us. You, you weren't born with the ability to win in this unseen battle. You were not born with it. But you are born again with it. Hallelujah. And we need this outside power to become resident in us. We need the Holy Ghost to come and reside in us. The Spirit of God. Jesus said this so much so. He says, I must need go to heaven. And if I don't go, He says, it will benefit all of you if I go. Because when I go, you're going to receive the comforter, the parakletos. And the parakletos is the Greek word meaning the strength that's going to come side, alongside your brokenness so that in your brokenness when you couldn't walk, with His strength you can walk. Hallelujah! You can overcome. You can be a conqueror. You can be the head and not the tail. You can be above only and not beneath. You can live in victory. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So He gives us these seven pieces of armor. You said, I thought it was six. I'm sorry. I'm here to teach you the Word, not what you learned that maybe was incorrect. There's seven pieces of armor. Let's look at them. Number one, the belt of truth. See, there must be an objective standard, not a subjective standard, but an objective standard by which we make pragmatic decisions. There has to be a plumb line in our life. This is part of our armor because the enemy is always trying to trick us and say, well, that's okay, you can fudge there, that's okay, you can go there, that's okay, you can have a little of that, that's okay. Because he has a hook that he has this most awesome bait. And if you love prime rib, he's got prime rib on it. And if you love sirloin, he has sirloin on it. And if you love fried chicken, he's got fried chicken on it. He knows what you like. And he's got, and he's wanting to offer you this beautiful piece of whatever it is and, and make it look as innocent as possible, but there is a stainless steel hook inside of that. And let me tell you, the moment you bite down on it and you're like, you know what? Sin is not really that bad. Sin's really sweet. About that moment, he's going to yank that thing and he's going to take control over your life and he's going to start bringing destruction. He's going to start bringing disease. He's going to start bringing pain. He's going to start bringing loss and he's going to try to drag you in death down into the pit of hell with him. That's what he's going to do. So we need this objective standard that we live by and make decisions by, a trusted compass by which we navigate our lives, which is the Word of God. Hosea, he said, what do you see in my hand? God said, he said, I see a plumb line. A plumb line. That plumb line is straight and I'm building up by that righteous standard. And as I build my life by that righteous standard, the higher I get, it's not going to topple over because it's, it's right. It's, it's, in, it's perpendicular, perfectly set in righteousness because I make my decisions on the Word of God, not what somebody said, not what even my, my parents. Your parents could have been wrong. I'm a parent and I made mistakes with our kids and I know my parents have made mistakes with us and there's things we're growing and learning over time. But let me tell you what, God's Word is never wrong. So we must have this belt of truth. And then he says this breastplate of righteousness. See, the righteousness that you have now in Christ is to inform you how to live. Because if you live out of unrighteousness or a mindset of unrighteousness, you're always trying to pay back. You're always trying to make up. You're always trying to, to, to try and go above and beyond to try and make up for what you messed up in the past and you, because you're living out of unrighteousness. 
And instead of following what God's plan is for your life, you're always trying to mend fences and, and do everything you can to try and halfway fix what you've messed up. But you've got to understand that in Christ, when you're born again, you are a brand new a creation in Christ Jesus. The old is passed away and all has become new. Your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. Here's the east. The east is from the west and it's cast in the sea of forgetfulness never to be brought up again. So that God wants you freed up, freed up from your stupid past so that you're not trying to fix stupid stuff the rest of your life. Now there is some things that God would have restitution done and He'll tell you what He needs you to do there. But it's not to pay for your sin debt because you couldn't pay for your sin debt. Jesus would have never come to the cross if you could have paid for your sin debt. It took righteous blood. You didn't have it. You weren't born with it. You had sinful blood. He had sinless blood. He came and gave sinless blood to pay your debt off paid in full. Hallelujah. Now you're freed up in the righteousness of God to follow the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, and the destiny that He has for you, so without looking back and trying to be distracted by all of stupid that we all did when we were outside of Christ. So we need our breastplate of righteousness which covers the heart area. It all comes from us confessing uh, with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord after we first believe in our heart that He is been, that he has been raised from the dead. The Bible says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So this isn't a head thing, this is a heart thing. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is, has been resurrected, meaning He did come, pay your sin debt, He did come and conquer and give us a, a high standard and a high place to live, and that He did it for you, and now you believe that so in your heart that you embrace Him as your Lord and Savior. So you believe with your heart unto righteousness, then you confess it with your mouth unto salvation. And that word salvation, soteria, is the Greek word meaning made whole, made healed, made prospered, made knit back together. What was torn apart was knit back together. So it's not just us going to heaven. Thank God we're going to heaven when we're saved. But that salvation uh, is to manifest here on earth in every area of our lives. And then he says, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There's a carrying out of our feet with the shoes of the gospel of peace, that, that shalom of God, peace, shalom of God, which means nothing broken and nothing missing. That that should govern our decision-making when operating according to God's truth, that we are walking in the peace of God, we're walking in the power of God, that there's nothing broken, that there's nothing missing, that the authority of God is greater than any of the power of the enemy. We're not going to live under the brokenness that the power of the enemy brought. We're going to exercise the authority that God brought, which is going to bring peace, shalom. It's going to fix what was broken. It's going to, nothing broken, nothing missing. It's going to replace what was stolen. That means the enemy's got to pay it back. Hallelujah. The Bible said the enemy be found out. He has to pay back sevenfold. So you're getting more back than, than, than the enemy took out. So you should be excited about going forward. You should be excited about operating in this authority. Praise God. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace where everywhere you go, you tell others about what God has done for you. 
Oh, outside of God, I was broke. Outside of God, I was, I mean, my body was, uh, uh, it was just tattered with sickness and disease. Outside of Christ, I, I had a loneliness of heart. Outside of Christ, I had a spirit of depression. Outside of Christ, whatever it was, and say, but when Jesus came in, let me tell you what, He gave me authority. He gave me His healing power. He gave me an anointing. He's lifted me up. By His stripes, I am now healed. Uh, he who was rich became poor that I who was poor might be made rich in Christ. Christ Jesus. He's going to meet all my needs according to His riches and glory. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the stuff that I need will be added unto me, but I'm putting God first. And you start going out with that gospel of peace, that gospel message of, of healing and wholeness and others will say, I want what you got. I want to walk in the way you're walking. And you can bring them into the fold as well. And above all, he says, taking up the shield of faith. Above all, meaning that breastplate of righteousness and that, that helmet of salvation and that belt of truth and all that you have, that feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace, has got to be protected with what? A shield of faith. A shield of faith, the Bible says. It protects you from the fiery darts, which means the devil's shooting darts at you. Don't you be naive and say, ah, the devil don't care about me. If the devil don't care about you, then you must be on his team. Okay. It, fiery darts come to those who oppose him, okay? So we must understand that we do come under attack, but when we come under attack, we don't have to fear because we got a shield of faith which will quench not half of them, not three-fourths of them, but will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Hallelujah. And then he says, take on the helmet of salvation. And this is soterios, is uh, the Greek word for salvation there. has its root word sozo. Same thing I was talking about earlier, about believing in your heart unto righteousness, confessing with your mouth under salvation, that all that that provided, that Jesus provided, is yours. But it, you got to know it. you got to know it. You've got to have a helmet of salvation. You've got to know that you're redeemed of the Lord. You've got to know that you're the heel of God. You've got to know that you're the blessed of God. You've got to know that you're the head and not the tail. You've got to know that this is going to be an amazing week because God goes before you and God is leading you and you're going to walk in authority and the enemy by no means is going to harm you. You're going to overcome his power with the authority God has given you. You've got to know this. You've got to know it in your head. Do you see what I'm saying? And then it can flow from there through your heart, through your mouth, and in through your life into victory. Then there's the sword of the Spirit, he says, which is the Word of God. Now, the Word of God there uh, in the Greek is rhema. See, there's two words in the Greek that they distinguish between the Word of God. One is logos, which means the established written standard of God, His Word that is written that you can't change, and we should never change it. But then there's a rhema word, which is a revealed word from the Logos where God speaks it to you personally. In other words, okay, and we read in here that by His stripes I am healed, right? So that's, okay, that's biblical, that's theological. He sent His word, He healed all uh, their diseases. That's, that's good. But now it becomes rhema to me when God says, I sent my word and I healed your disease. I healed all your diseases. This is for you too. So now you're taking it personal and that becomes a rhema word to you. But the rhema word will always uh, agree with the logos word. It'll never contradict it. If somebody comes to me and says, well, God told me, you know, and it's something off the wall that, that, that violates the word of God, that wasn't from God. They may have said it was from God, but that wasn't from God. And you can actually tell them, well, I don't receive that because the word of God says such and such, you know. 
okay? But uh, so we've got to get a rhema word. In this battle, we can't go around and say, well, the Bible says, devil, you stop bullying me around because the Bible says there's authority been given over all the power of the enemy. That's not a rhema word. The rhema word is, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get thee behind me. I have been given authority over all your power, and I'm not going to succumb to it, and I'm not going to be subject to it. You're going to be subject to the authority I have. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I submit to God. I resist you, devil. Go! And he has to go. He has to. He has no other option because you're operating in your authority. That's the rhema way to do it. And then there's a seventh uh, piece of armor. And that is, you read it right here, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Come on, say that with me. In the Spirit. Isn't that what the Bible says there? In the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful, uh, the Bible says, to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. To put it another way, Prayer gains you access to the authority of heaven. Prayer is how you gain access to the authority of heaven. Or I could put it another way, prayer is what dresses you up. Helps you put on the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. Okay? So prayer is what pulls it all together. So praying in the Spirit is what does that. Not just prayer. He says all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We've got to learn to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because you, we see it in, 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 in practical terms. We have militaries in different countries that could be enemies, and they're always trying to decode their, their communication. Why? So that they can figure out the strategy. They're coming in from the north. They're going to be coming in, flanking us from the west. They, they want to figure it out, see what their strategy is. And they pay a lot of money and spend a lot of time uh, with folks being trained to try and decode and figure out, break the codes that are being used by the enemy. And if they can break the code, let me tell you what, when the enemy gets there, it's not a surprise. You already got a counterattack ready immediately, and that's how you win. Well, the enemy, and, and the warfare works the same way. But let me tell you what, God has a language. I believe it's the language Adam and Eve spoke with God in the garden because the Bible talks about through one of the prophets that there would be restored one day that pure language. And there is a pure language. We know that any earthly language we have is not pure. They have dirty words and they have dirty uh, idioms and different things that are in it. But there's a pure language that is without defilement. And I believe it was the language that Adam and Eve spoke before the fall in the garden. And I believe it will be restored. It says that pure language will be restored. I believe it has been restored on the day of Pentecost. Because what marked Pentecost, that day, changed everything. Before that day, the day of Pentecost, we have disciples who were with Jesus who saw the dove come on him, heard the Father speak, my son in whom I'm well pleased, when John the Baptist baptized him, saw the Trinity, heard it, saw it, the Holy Ghost leads Jesus up out of the Jordan River into his ministry, and then they begin to see him do his miracles, miracle after miracle after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us that, that Jesus walked in the power uh, and, and here on earth as the Son of Man who was dependent on the Spirit of God so that He could show us how to be dependent on the Spirit of God. 
And then uh, we see that the disciples were cowards. Every time there was opposition, every time there was a storm, every time there was a lack, they were all freaking out. Oh, there's not enough food to feed the people. What are we going to do? There's not enough food and money to pay the taxes. What are we going to do? There's not, an, what, there's not enough uh, 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 calm in the sea to keep us from topple, toppling over from the storm. What are we going to do? They were always freaking out. And then when there was opposition coming against Jesus, instead of standing with Him, they're running and they're hiding and they're denying they even knew Him. And then after He's crucified, they're hiding in the upper room, so much so that when Jesus comes, the door is locked and He walks through the door and the first thing He says is peace unto them because they're about ready to jump out of windows. They're so afraid. They, they're going back to fishing and He fixes food and when they come back from fishing, He's like, Really? Really, you're going back to fishing for regular fish rather than being fishers of men that I called you to? And uh, so, Peter, if you love me, serve me. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Remember that? that they're always running, always afraid. But then they follow Jesus, and Jesus says, look, I, I'm, he's resurrected. He's been with them, walking with them and talking with them. And, and he says, okay, 40 days he's been with them. Now he says, i got to go. They said, no, you can't go. You can't go. Rome is after us. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes are all after us. He says, I got to go. It behooves you that I go. Because if I don't go, you're not going to get what you need. I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to send my spirit. And he not only will dwell with you and be around you, but he's going to fill you. He's going to be in you. The power that you've seen in me is going to be in you. The authority you've seen in me is going to be in you. And he says, and then you're going to be, he says, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell won't withstand the battering ram of my church. This ecclesia that's going to be filled with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. So they go to the upper room and for 10 days they're waiting and on the day of Pentecost when that ceremony had fully come, there it was. The Bible says in the open heaven and we're under open heaven. Under an open heaven wind began to blow. Fire began to come. Tongues as a fire set upon each of them and now they are preaching the Word of God with boldness. Boldness that thousands are saved and from that day till today right now the churches continue to grow billions and billions and billions and billions of people People because of authority and power that came from heaven uh, that they access and they authorize uh, and they begin to exercise uh, and you and I must understand the same is true with us. So he says, praying in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. There's a language, there's a communication. Our minds don't understand it, but our spirit man is getting marching orders. Straight from the, uh, the strategies of heaven. From the war room of heaven. God has given us marching orders. You know, turn flanks this way. Go here. Do this. Say this. And, and the enemy can't break that code. It's a pure language. There is no dirty. There is no foul language in this pure language. It's the language of heaven. And that's why on the day of Pentecost they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. God brought us in. He morphed us in into a whole different realm so that we could be the powerhouse on this earth. 
And He tells us here with the armor that you put on this breastplate of righteousness and you put on this belt of truth and you put on this helmet of salvation and you take your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and you got this shield of faith and you got the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. He said, but, uh, but what you got to do to put it all together, you got to always be praying in all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. you got to get your marching orders. you got to get your encouragement. you got to get your instruction. you got to get it from God and it's a language of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So, if praying in the Spirit is not the dynamic, vibrant, consistent, encompassing part of your Christian life, I encourage you, I encourage you to do as Jesus said, tarry before the Father and ask God for His Spirit. Don't ask Him, let me see, He's a Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He's holy. There's no sin, there's no ungodliness, there's no unrighteousness, there's no imperfection. He's, He's God. So what's wrong with asking the Father to fill us with His Holy Spirit? Jesus said it this way, if a father was asked by his son, Dad, give me some bread, would that dad give him a stone instead? Jesus said it this way, if an earthly father was asked by his son, Dad, could I have a piece of fish? Would his dad give him a scorpion? Jesus said no to the first one and no to the second one. He said, and in this comparison of an earthly dad just giving a morsel of food of goodness to his son that would help him live, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask? So what I want to encourage you as you go into this week is for you to spend time with your Heavenly Father and for you to ask Him to fill you with His Spirit. Fill Him with the design and the plan and the strategy of heaven. Your mind's not going to understand it, but you're going to know the way to walk because your Spirit's going to lead you. Because your Spirit understands. It's Spirit to Spirit as you spend time with the Holy Spirit every day. Come on, praying always with all prayer and supplication, praying in the Spirit. So I want you to know this. He tells us to stand, and the only way we can stand is in the power of His might. And the power of His might, Jesus says, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power from heaven. Paracletos, come, the power of heaven is going to come alongside your brokenness. And now you're going to be able to march with divine victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I ask you, and I ask you this morning, have you made this priority to live your life full of the Spirit of God? Well, how do I get filled with the Spirit of God? You get filled with the Spirit of God by asking the Father to fill you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, wait a minute. This is amazing. This is awesome. I didn't know. I didn't know. Can, can we do it before we leave? Yes, we can. I'm going to ask anyone in here this morning who wants to be refilled, overflowing, or feel for the first time, if you just want to be filled by the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of man, but the Spirit of God. That's your desire to leave here overflowing. I mean, not just full to the brim, but overflowing with the Spirit of God. I want us to just stand in this closing prayer and let's make our petition before our Father. Now, Father, we pray your blessings and your favor and your anointing upon your children today. Lord God, they've come. They've put their time in here, Lord, in such a beautiful way to worship you and to study your word. Now I pray, Lord God, let it come back to them, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Uh, such a good measure that they can't help but thank you all week long. That my God is good. That, Lord, you are amazing. 
Lord, I pray that they would fall more in love with you this week than they've ever loved you before. Lord, I pray our love would go deeper and deeper and higher and higher between you, God, and each of your sons and daughters here. Bless them, I pray, Lord God, in their coming and their going. Put a shield of protection around them this week. Let your favor fall from heaven like rain upon them, Lord God, in such a way that they know, that they know that this is the good hand of God in my life. So I pray your blessings upon each and every one as we go now, as we go in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How about turn to someone, love on